0: and welcome to Talking to Lead Hers, the podcast where we extend the conversation around female entrepreneurship beyond the challenges and instead focus on positivity and the actions we can each take to drive change.
1: Hi, I'm Will Holder, an associate in the corporate team at CMS. And in today's episode, I'm talking to Joe Eckersley, founder and CEO of Bubble, about the trends and predictions in advertising and marketing for the year ahead how the business has evolved through challenging times, and the core skills it takes to thrive as a sole founder. Thank you for joining us today, Jo.
0: Hi Will, thank you for having me.
1: It's great to have you here. Um, So just to kick things off, during 2022, we saw significant changes to the way that businesses approach their marketing strategies, particularly when navigating social media platforms. Can you talk us through the solution that Bubble provides and some of the ways that you're helping brands to engage with their customers?
0: absolutely yes um i mean we set up bubble um originally as a startup five or six years ago um but it was really around you know sort of changes that we saw potentially happening in the future around um the internet and how people were actually engaging with with consumers um you know we knew that um that social media was a very powerful tool but it was very um you know, sort of you were basically on somebody else's platform, building your audiences on their platform. So whether that's, you know, sort of Facebook, Twitter, you know, um, LinkedIn or Instagram, you know, sort of it was really, you know, hang on, haven't we got our own tools that we can utilize um, to engage with our audiences? So we built Bubble as a plugin for apps so that you can actually supercharge your app and turn your app into your own content engagement channel. Um, So we trigger content, our tools trigger content um, that comes onto the phone, even if your app's closed, wherever you are, whether you're in a particular location, whether you're at an event, you know, at specific times, etc. And, you know, rich content, all sorts of different formats. So it makes it really easy for an app owner to engage and build up their own app audience and retain their audience. So, you know, so this is one of the main ways that we're actually engaging with customers. Um, yes, you know, so we help brands engage with their customers. That's the main thing.
1: Great, great. Um, and so over the next 12 months, what would you say are the trends that you anticipate us seeing from businesses who are looking to strengthen relationships with their customers? And how can startups adopt some of these changes?
0: Well, already we've seen a lot of changes um, in the last couple of years. I think digital adoption has escalated significantly, far faster than anyone expected, and that's purely because of the pandemic. So, you know, for startups, making sure that they are, you know, so that their digital language and the tools that they have to engage with their audience are, you know, really robust is really important. But I think some of the trends that we've seen relate to. Um, uh, The way that data is captured has been very significantly changing around Google and the use of what's called cookies, um, which basically are little metadata capture um, tools that capture information as you, a user, are using various websites, etc. Now in the world of mobile, it doesn't make a lot of sense to actually carry all that through, um, and there's no question that mobile apps are going to be the center of customer experience moving forward. I think, you know, um, it, it's it, it's really obvious when a brand is really good at mobile app experience and, you know, so they obviously significantly outperform everybody else. But I think the key thing about this is, you know, sort of we are in a time of uncertainty. So it's really important that brands, you know, sort of, and startups, you know, sort of of any kind um you know sort of acquire new customers but it's also really important that they nurture their existing ones and that's becoming more and more important and I think apps are going to play a much more important role in that particularly around retention and loyalty of existing customers and building relationships with those people so you know I think it's I think it's, it's some of the predictions that I have are you know sort of everyone's experimenting with things that are new um you know brands are sort of moving towards using more immersive content but actually I think there's a there's there's a lot of discussion around how effective the metaverse is going to be Um, and the metaverse you know sort of I think the direction of travel has been almost like creating a new second life um, which the games industry has been doing for years but it's about you know creating a, a virtual world that people can actually engage in now my view on that is that actually it's going to be immersion in the real world. So it's about actually, you know, so driving value based on the real world experience. So, you know, you've already got a product in your hand or you're already out on the street. So how do we use immersive content to actually get you to do something or give you an an experience that's way um, better than you would have by just standing in the street? So, you know, AR and AI are really helping to drive those changes in the industry and there's a lot of predictions around at the moment around mobile advertising mobile marketing and it, it's anticipated it's going to be 76 percent of global digital ad spend by 2024 and i don't believe that is solely you know ads in app i think that is content out of app that's um, and the tools that will in enable that and actually making it very easy to measure and monitor user privacy and you know make sure that um that people can actually yes, you know, sort of capture valuable data as a brand and that a user can have a really enriching experience as as a consumer um you know and i think that's
1: definitely the direction of travel for 2023 great thanks joe that's um good good to get your insights there and um yeah i'm sure uh, sure we'll see how the next 12 months go and see see where you're on point um so just Touching on sort of the entrepreneurial journey, um which is often likened to being on a roller coaster. Um, the last couple of years have undoubtedly brought an incredibly unique set of challenges for for startup founders. And um, as you look to the next sort of twelve months, what are you and the team at Bubble most proud of, and what will you be celebrating in twenty twenty three?
0: Um, I think what we're most proud of is the fact that we are launching um, a self-serve product, which is um, is really for those app owners that are currently potentially relying on sources like Facebook and Instagram to actually get their customer engagement. But where they've got their own app, whether that's a membership or whether that's a loyalty app, et cetera, and they just want to supercharge it with an ability to engage with their actual app audience. Um, you know, we're launching that that product. And I think, you know, so that's going to bring this type of technology to a lot of people for whom it might have seemed seemed un- unobtainable before. Um, you know, now we've also got, you know, sort of a, a, a position where, um, you know, we've got some funding, you know, we've got investment. Um, we're about to, to do a big seed round. Um just getting this round closed that's a huge achievement for us because it is very much like on a roller coaster you've got money you haven't got money you know and I think most uh most founders will will understand that you know I mean it's just it is constantly an up and down of a roller coaster you're exactly right um and I think it's a we're very proud that we actually made it through the last few years with Brexit yeah. and the pandemic etc cetera, etc cetera. you know I mean it's not been easy to actually keep going and I know a lot of um Founders have actually really struggled and not been able to keep going. So, I think that in itself is something to be proud of. Um, but the fact that we're actually, we've got a product, we're able to, we're bringing on clients, you know, we've got a really good you know, sort of um, pipeline of companies that are approaching us left, right, and centre wanting to use our technology. You know, those are the sort of things that we'll be celebrating and actually, you know, turning that into you know, sort of uh, a, a big, strong, um, yes, you know, so a customer base. That we can we can really start to to build our product, um, you know, sort of, and the success of that over the over the rest of this year. Finally, it feels like we've actually turned a corner, which is great.
1: Fantastic, exciting times ahead, I'm sure for for Bubble. So, um, really great to hear that. So, the next question relates to one of the themes that we've been running through this series of podcasts. Um. And it's the importance of having a strong network and having support from others in the startup community. Um, so we just sort of wanted to know a bit about which resources you found to be most useful. And and in particular, what lessons have you learned along the way of your sort of founder journey?
0: Um, I think, I mean, I have networks of um, other founders. I think one of the things that I found the most helpful is having a CEO mentor at points and um, yeah, so through um, the Albright community, um, I've actually you know, I met someone in their very early days who was a fantastic mentor for me personally, and I think you know, keeping yourself in one piece personally is actually really important, it's not just about a business network, it's about actually making sure that you've got a network that isn't to do with business, but I think having people who do understand business is, is equally as important because you can't be talking to your family very often about, you know, sort of your challenges as a CEO. Um, whereas other CEOs, you get real, yes you know, sort of understanding and you grow from that experience. And I think I've always sought out people that I admire and tried to connect with them and make sure that you know, I'm, I'm taking their advice. Um, that's something that I've really, you know, strived to do. And there's some individuals who have been absolutely immense in their advice to me over the years. But I think, you know, sort of being part of, being active in, um, I mean, it's been very hard because we weren't allowed to go out for two years, but, you know, sort of now picking up that ability to, be, to go out and actually network. Um, you know, I tend to approach networking, not necessarily from a business perspective, but from a you know, sort of experience perspective. So I'm trying to actually engage with people to learn from them as opposed to sell to them. Although inevitably, um, I find I come away from most events with people who actually want to use the product, which is quite funny. Um, But I think, you know, so there are a lot of um, accelerators and um, sort of incubators out there. I have been in several of them and I've always found them really, really productive for helping me to work out what I know and confirming what I know and that what I know is correct. And I'm not just winging it all the time, which is how you feel sometimes as a founder. Um, And then also, you know, sort of getting clarity. So, you know, I'm on um, a Funding London um, Mountside Ventures accelerator at the moment, which is superb. And it's because they are very clear at consolidating the information that you need to wrap your head around yet again, to prep for another investment round, but this time going from pre-seed to seed. And it's a very different landscape. It, it You know, they're, they're very different approaches. And I think it's yes, about actually choosing the support that's right for the stage that you're at as a business is, is exceptionally important. Because there are a lot of, of companies out there, a lot of funds that offer consultancy advice, you know, as you go, etc. And you pay for all these additional services, etc. I don't really think that you need to do that because there's a lot of free resource out there that you can actually... Access, so that's one lesson I would I would say is really quite important. Um, and I think you know sort of another one is that you know sort of everybody wants something different. So no matter what your deck says or how perfect it is for one person, it's completely wrong for somebody else. I think I've probably created a thousand decks over the time over the last five years, and you know the reality is that you 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 just have to tailor you do your research and you tailor what you're presenting to the person that you're presenting it to. And I think that applies whether you're doing sales or whether you're doing investment. One size doesn't actually fit all, you know, you do need just completely different approach for different people. And don't be afraid to really go after people in your industry. I mean, it's taken me a long time to find the people in my industry who are there to invest and are interested, but I have started to find them now. Um, (laughs) It's taken a while, but it is much easier once you actually do that. So I I would suggest that of really using your network to find the investors that are actually in your sector actually really helps.
1: Brilliant. Thanks. Thanks, Joe. Um, And then finally, um, so LeadHers was established in in response to the findings of the Rose Review uh, to support underrepresented founders, particularly as they're scaling their business. As a sole female founder bringing a wealth of experience in the industry, how do your unique perspectives and experiences shape the decisions you make and the direction of growth for Bubble?
0: Um, I think, I, I generally think that you're either a good founder or a bad founder. I don't think it necessarily makes a difference what sex you are. However, I think there are far less female founders and therefore there are some qualities that female founders have that when you're presenting to others and when you're trying to scale your business, it may not be your approach as a female founder might not be familiar to those around you who are perhaps used to dealing with um, a more masculine approach and by that I mean um there's a there's a whole movement around leading with heart and I think one of the things that um that female founders do is they're much more focused on the people in their organization um and shape a lot of their decisions around team and shape a lot of their decisions around an approach that is more emotionally orientated, which some people may regard as a negative. Um, I may not be explaining myself very well there. I'm trying to sort of, without, I'm not, I'm not sexist by any stretch of the imagination. <laughs> I'm worried that it's like starting to sound it. I don't intend it to sound it. Um, I think, you know, one of the things, I mean, recently I managed to close around by being more bullish. Now I shouldn't have to be more bullish in order to close around. It should be on the merits of my business not the fact that i'm really sort of pushing people into a corner and being more bullish with them why do i need to be like that in order to close an investment round it's just that that seems crazy to me but it worked and you know maybe that's just something that my personality i'm not particularly bullish in that way but i do get results and i get what i what i need to to get to for the business and the team um it's a challenging one Will, to be honest you know because i know there's really mixed you know you hear about only 2% of female founders get funding and i really believe that that is wrong but then on the other hand you know sort of how many female founders are actually applying for the funding is it 50-50 in which case it is very wrong that only 2% get funding but i'm not convinced that it is 50-50 and i think the thing is that more women need to found businesses more women need to run businesses. There is a, another factor that you know the 63 or 64 percent of women who do or businesses that are founded by women are successful. Now, yeah, you know, that's huge, but there's probably only a small proportion of women that do found businesses. So it skews all that data out. And I'm I'm a little bit, you know, I really feel that we are underrepresented. I think it's because perhaps women are less likely to set up their own business and I Mm. would encourage them to do so. I was able to run my business around being a single mum. It was, you know, that's why it was, uh, why I I set up my business in the first place because it was very hard, you know, so with a baby working in London, um, going backwards and forwards and, you know, sort of not being able to get there in time from London to Somerset to pick up my, my baby from nursery. You know, because I missed a train, and I actually felt that you know, so working for myself was made it much easier to manage my life as a single parent. And yes, it took longer for me to get to the point where I could actually build it up into a business and move it away from being a lifestyle scenario. And I'm talking about businesses that I had before Bubble, um, you know, which were more consultancy orientated. But the reality is that sort of I have kept at it because I know I'm an entrepreneur at heart. I set up my first business was the school shop at age 14. Yeah, so I think it's been running in quite a long time. Um, but I had to wait until my daughter was older and I was able to then focus on building a team and building the business and not have to give so much attention to what I felt was my priority at the time you know being there at school you know sort of events and picking her up from school and you know sort of cooking dinner and the things that I wanted to do as a parent and it is very difficult I will not say that it isn't because it flipping well is Um, you know as a single parent running a business it is you lonely as a single parent anyway it's doubly lonely when you're when you're running a business as well so you know, I'm not going to.
1: Also, make as, a, as a sole founder, rather than having another co-founder absolutely. to help you, it's you yeah. know, an added challenge. Yeah,
0: absolutely. You know, sole founder, sole parent. I mean, I wasn't making it easy for myself, was I? Um, but the reality is that, you know, we can do it, you know, both because we're a single parent. So that gives you a resilience and an ability to handle way more than you expect to be able to handle. And it's just one more thing. You know, when you're running a business, it's just one more thing until it can be the thing. Um, And then you have the the opportunity to really sort of grow it and scale it. So, you know, I think there are perhaps unique challenges and there are things that perhaps put females off going down that road and perhaps parenting and having responsibility for parenting, and perhaps being a sole parent in a lot of cases is, is the issue. But the reality is, I think, you know, that gives you a huge amount of resourceful skills that you can yeah. then take through into running a business.
1: Brilliant, thanks, Jo. And so um, just to just to wrap things up, so as part of the CMS Equip Lead Hers initiative, um, we're encouraging everyone to commit to one positive action um, to support underrepresented founders over the coming months. What positive action will you take to support female founders in the tech space over the next year? It can be whatever, whatever sort of action, big or small. Um, but yeah, what 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 would you take if you were to take one single action?
0: Um, I think I will continue to do podcasts and articles where I can, um, and talk more about, you know, sort of the the reality of. Being a female founder and being a single parent, because I think it's that, you know, it's it's that group in particular. That I think have a lot to bring to the table and perhaps don't, you know, women who've um, left high powered jobs, started a family, don't necessarily want to go back to the high powered job, but have a huge set of skills that they're able to actually bring to the table. You know, finding ways to actually engage with those individuals, I think, would be really um. You know, I would find that very enriching and I, I hope that, that the audience would find that enriching as well and would help people to feel like they can do it, you know, that they're not, um, they're not incapable of running a business. It's something that they can do it. So I will continue to do that because I think, you know, I hope that that is something that will be inspiring for others. And I would like to see others, you know, sort of coming and stepping into entrepreneurship from that, from that space.
1: Brilliant. Well, um, look, Joe, thank you so much. It's been um, it's been great having you on on the podcast and um, for you to you know tell us your story and um, the journey you've been on um, and the challenges you've faced, particularly over the last couple of years. Um, and I hope, you know, that small action that you've decided to take that, we, you know, by coming on this podcast. Uh, we can, we can help, you know, get your message out there and, and encourage um, female founders going forward to, to be brave and, um, you know, following yeah. your footsteps.
0: Yeah, and it is, that, that's it, be brave,
1: be brave. Right. Fantastic. Well, thanks, Joe. Thank you. Thanks, Will. Thanks again to Joe from Bubble for uh, joining us today on today's podcast. If you'd like more information on Bubble, then please visit bubble.tech. And if you'd like to hear more about CMS's startup programme, EQUIP, or Lead Her's initiative, go to the startup section of cms.law.